welcome to the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach with an interest in sports and exercise medicine. Today I'm joined by Dr. Anthony Rafferty to discuss gut health. Anthony is a medical doctor and PhD who is passionate about improving gut microbiome health through nutrition and lifestyle. He studied for 15 years in higher education with four degrees to his name and almost a decade of experience in academic clinical research. He's currently training in general practice and actively involved in microbiome research and education. On this episode, we discuss the importance of good gut health for sports performance, the role that exercise plays in improving gut health, and importantly, Anthony gives advice on how we can all improve our gut microbiome. So hello and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, We obviously got in touch through a mutual friend uh, who, who shared some of your your work and I've been following you keenly on social media and learning lots about gut health but for the benefit of our listeners would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and your background particularly your research background as well. Of course yeah yeah it's such a pleasure to be chatting to you thanks so much for uh, getting in touch it's always so lovely to be able to spread the microbiome word <laughs> um, but my name's Tony so on social media I'm the good gut doc And um, I suppose a little bit about me, I have a background initially um, in science. I did a science degree and I specialised in zoology. Uh, And I then went over and I did a master's in environmental management. I was really passionate about kind of environmental conservation and uh, the oceans. Um, And that kind of led me over to Australia where I worked. I did my PhD over there. And slowly transitioned away from kind of the marine sciences into um, health sciences. And it was in that role I began working with neonates or preterm birth uh, research. Uh, And it became really evident during that time that the neonatal or the preterm baby gut was just so important. And there was loads of uh, kind of conditions that we saw um, in the preterm baby gut. Um, and I began researching things even back then to find out how uh, the gut matured and essentially how the microbiome was kind of uh, start, kick-started uh, from an early age. Um, that ultimately led me back to study medicine because I just found everything so fascinating. Um, but I maintained my research involvement in uh, mainly preterm birth and fetal development during pregnancy. Um, and since kind of graduating, I've been involved in microbiome research now. Uh, I mainly work in pregnancy and I'm kind of looking at the vaginal and the gut microbiome in mothers and kind of transfer of bugs between mother and infant in newborns, uh, which has been fantastic. So, yeah, so that's kind of a bit about me um, and my interests are kind of my strange path that's led me here. <laughs> I was about to say that was an because un- I, I obviously don't know too much about your background. That was quite an unusual path, but I think yeah. it's quite nice when you don't you don't have that plan from a really young age. I think sometimes we get sucked into one journey, but if you find it yourself, often you're a bit more passionate about the topics that you end up in. I think so. Well, that's kind of what's led me all along the path. I just kept going towards what interested me. And, you know, I think I'm really, really passionate now about kind of lifestyle and nutrition and the impacts that that can have from a very, very early age. Perfect. And we're going to kind of dive into gut health a bit more today and particularly try and link that to um, athletes and sports and exercise. But I guess it would be a good place to start. It's actually just describe what we mean by gut health and the microbiome, because I think it's actually become very popular um, 
recently and we use those terms a lot but I'm not sure that we always understand exactly what we mean by that so what is gut health and what is the gut microbiome? So the microbiome is completely fascinating and I just love it so much so Essentially, the microbiome is a general term that we use to refer to the bugs and their genetic material that live within different kind of ecological niches within the body. So, for example, on our skin, in our ears, in our nose, um, in our mouth, in our guts, uh, each of those communities are distinct So uh, the most densely populated area of our body is in the gut, so specifically in the large intestine. And we have about 39 trillion bugs that live in there. But there's a suggestion that we're actually just walking microbial DNA, essentially. Because (laughs) if you take all of the DNA or the genetic makeup of the bugs in our body, it's substantially more than our human uh, DNA. So, you know, bugs are really fantastic, especially the gut bugs, because they have really, really important functions in the body because they help to ferment uh, fibers. Uh, They help to release nutrients, vitamins, things like that into the system that we as humans wouldn't necessarily be able to do ourselves. So we're quite dependent on them and to be able to kind of break down our foods and uh, produce various different things. Generally speaking, fibre is the primary source um, of food for the gut bugs. And there's specific type of fibre that we can't digest ourselves, but uh, they can. And they're called prebiotic fibres. And essentially, uh, you can get all of these things from a a rich diversity of whole foods in the diet, um, particularly from plant-based sources. So um, kind of vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, beans, legumes, things like that. And when we feed our gut bugs prebiotics, they essentially flourish and they really, really thrive on as many different types of fibre as possible. And essentially, as a gift for us feeding them, they uh, they produce something called a postbiotic, uh, which are essentially metabolites that go on then and affect body function. So some main um, postbiotics or metabolites that are produced by the gut include kind of short chain fatty acids, which are really, really important for us. They include things like butyrate, propionate and uh, acetate. Now, Butyrate is probably the most powerful. It's really, really anti-inflammatory. It has an amazing effect on the gut itself. It helps to support gut uh, integrity. And uh, propionate and acetate, they're also fantastic. They can go off in the bloodstream. They can go to the liver. They They affect gluconeogenesis, so how we metabolize glucose. And they have really, really important impacts body-wide essentially. It's important to kind of note that there's a strong link between microbiome health and our brain and also our immune function, uh, which is really, really interesting. And that has great relevance, I think, to people in sports because some endurance athletes are actually at higher risk of things like upper respiratory tract infections and things like that. About 70% of our uh, immune system is in our gut in the form of gut-associated lymphoid tissue or GALT, is sometimes it's known as online. And what's really important is this kind of tissue interacts really closely with the gut microbes that are living in there. Now, if you think about it, 
every day that we're out and about interacting with our environment, we're kind of inhaling or ingesting pathogens and various different bits and bobs in our environment. We're also eating lots of foods and things like that. So the gut is the kind of first line of the body system that kind of is exposed to all of these things. So we really, really need to work closely with our immune system to kind of identify what's a friend and what's a foe, because you need the immune system to then be able to kind of identify what's not right, trigger an immune response uh, if that's the case. And I think it's really important for you to have good, good health, because it's the microbes in the gut that interact with the um, with the immune system to kind of say what's going on, what needs to be watched and kind of when an immune response needs to be generated. And unfortunately, when things go wrong within the gut microbiome, we find that the immune system goes into hyperdrive and you tend to get a lot of inflammation. Um, You can end up with something called a leaky gut, which I'll address a little bit later with regard to endurance sports. And that can lead to systemic inflammation, essentially. And things that are produced by the immune system, um, such as cytokines and things like that, they can also cross the blood-brain barrier and can cause kind of neuroinflammation as well. So it's quite significant, if you think about it, the involvement that our gut microbiome has in multiple body functions. But I really just wanted to highlight what effects it has on the immune system with regard to kind of our discussion moving forward. Perfect. So I guess that's um, that's the relationship that the gut has with our body and how then that impacts possibly our, our sports performance. Yeah. Just kind of flipping it round, how does exercise impact our, our gut health? And do we see that there's a different microbiota in people that engage with more physical activity than those that, that aren't so active? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really important to just highlight the impacts of exercise on general on in the body. Yeah. Because um, you know, exercise has such a profound impact on various different physiological mechanisms within the body. So we know um that cardiorespiratory fitness kind of has a, a big impact on kind of heart health. It can improve lung health. Uh, it can kind of have a major impact on metabolic health, so how we regulate insulin and things like that. And um, so it can affect hypertension, high blood pressure, and all of these things. It's so intrinsically linked. Um, but we are now starting to realize that it ha- can have also a profound impact on the gut microbiome. So with regard to exercise and the microbiome, um, there's been a few really interesting studies uh, so there was one um, study in uh, 2017 that was done on um, cyclists. And essentially what they did was they had 33 cyclists, 22 were professional, 11 were uh, amateur. And they looked at the impact of exercise on um, the microbiome. And they found that exercise significantly increased the diversity of, uh, of species that were living in the microbiome. And what's really, really important about increased diversity means that there's different species that are there. They have different genetics. They can impact our bodies differently because they metabolize things differently. They produce different types of metabolites and they can impact other organisms or other bugs that are living in the gut. So species diversity is the key to success (laughs) with regard to the microbiome. So it's really interesting that they noted that there was an increase in the diversity of bugs 
bugs that were present. But what was really interesting about that study is that they found that there was an increase in specific types of bugs that were present. They found an increased number of acromancia, which is a type of bug that has been associated with obesity and metabolic syndrome. So we know that if there's more uh, acromancia present in the gut, you actually uh, you have less obesity, less metabolic syndrome. So it's unsurprising in a sense that people who are more physically active have more of this um, because you tend to see obesity and metabolic syndrome less in kind of athletes, you know. Um, also, what was really interesting was that they found for the ones that had really intense uh exercise that exceeded more than 11 hours or so a week and they noted that there was more provitella and there was more of an archaea or a methanogenic um, bug called M. smithii. Now, I want to I don't know how you're remembering all of these oh, names. <laughs> they start to just stick in your mind after you read the papers. Um, but these two bugs are of real importance, actually. And this is one reason I really like this study, because Provitella, um, it's in, increased, generally speaking, in people who eat more. They have a higher calorie intake, especially with people who eat more kind of uh, complex carbohydrates. So unsurprisingly, um, it's high in um, athletes who would have a higher proportion of those things in their diet to kind of fuel their exercise anyway. But what's really interesting about Provitella is that it's in, involved in the metabolism of uh, branched uh, chain amino acids. And BCAAs, they're sometimes included in like different supplements and stuff like that. Um, and people involved in the sporting industry may kind of be quite aware of things uh, like leucine, isoleucine, valine, um, which are branched chain amino acids. Now, we know that they don't necessarily increase performance, but what's really interesting about BCAAs is they actually help recovery time. So they help your muscles to recover. They increase muscle turnover essentially um, after kind of an exercise period. So although they may not increase um performance they do help with recovery so provitella who's involved in this kind of metabolism and production of these kind of branch chain amino acids may be involved kind of in higher numbers in recovery and um, post-exercise and the other book that I mentioned to you, the M. smithii, that's a methanogen. So it's involved in um, methane metabolism, um, which is basically a gas. So in the large intestine, if you're getting um, this bug present, there's a theory that you actually are more metabolically efficient in how your kind of uh, gut is working. And essentially having this present reduces hydrogen in the large intestine and we know that hydrogen actually reduces the amount of short chain fatty acids that are produced so essentially its presence means that there's less hydrogen and there's more short chain fatty acids which we need to help our gut and to help other areas of our body so that's the main thing about that uh, with regard to increase in species um, diversity now, another interesting study that was done in 2014 was on Irish rugby players. I had to drop that in, obviously, because I'm Irish. <laughs> but um, in rugby players, um, 
here in Ireland, the ones that they studied, they also found, found that there was more acromancia, um, which is one of the bugs that I touched on um, with regard to the cyclists. So we're starting to see a pattern evolve there, you know. But what was really interesting in this study is that the rugby players that had a lower BMI had higher numbers of this bug. So essentially, we're starting to see from that study that body composition may actually be affected by the um, gut microbiota as well. Studies are starting to show that the amount of exercise may kind of impact uh, the gut structure. And when you kind of stop exercising, these positive impacts on the gut microbiome actually might just vanish. <laughs> so, really? so it's not long lasting. No, no. And um, one of the studies that I was reading about this showed that essentially people who were previously sedentary and then they started engaging in endurance exercise, they saw all these benefits that kind of I was mentioning from some of the other previous studies with an increase in species diversity, an increase in the bugs that we know are beneficial for you, an increase in the short-chain fatty acid production, which we know have positive impacts on the, on the body. All those kind of impacts tend to kind of decrease again, because you need to maintain the exercise within a certain range to be able to kind of pr produce these positive impacts on the bugs. So if you then start to tailor off or taper off on kind of how much exercise you're doing and go back to a more sedentary way of life, those positive impacts are going to then kind of go to the wayside. That's a good um, argument to try and encourage forming healthy habits rather than doing these one-off spurts and I guess it also goes back to the idea of these bugs are all alive so if we had a pet you can't feed it one day and then ignore it for the rest of the week you just need to keep yeah. keep looking after these these bugs um yeah. and maintain that level of exercise absolutely like and I really love that analogy and I've I've heard a couple of fantastic um podcasts over the last kind of couple of months where people are kind of talking about your microbiome as your army so now every time I put some food in my mouth I think is this going to help my microbiome? Because I need my microbiome in tip-top shape to be able to kind of fuel my body. And, you know, back when I was uh, heavily involved in athletics, like when I was a gymnast and a diver, I had no concept of how to feed my microbiome for a kind of optimum performance and recovery. I just had no idea. So I think now that I know all these things, I'm like, I wish I'd known this 20 years ago. <laughs> One of the things with feeding your microbiome is I, I, I hear the number 30 a lot and trying to get 30 fruit, veg, herbs a yeah. week. I quite like the idea that when you're feeding your, your microbiome, it's not restricting yourself from anything. So it's not about not having things. It's about making sure that you tick the boxes and getting your variety. So I think that is sustainable. We are able to add that variety and still have, we can still have our treat and, and be feeding our microbiome. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really important from a lifestyle point of view that we make kind of changes and work towards things that are sustainable. So kind of modifying your diet to make sure you're getting optimum nutrition. You know, everybody's going to fall off the wagon <laughs> from time to time. But I think it's really important that if you set some trends or habits or passions for yourself that you can maintain in the long term, you're going to have a much better long term um, impact on your microbiome and your health. And I think it's really interesting what you're mentioning um, there about the, the 30 species. Um, and where that actually came from was a fantastic study over in um, the States 
was the American Good Health Project. And they published a paper um, about five or six years ago now where they basically did a population uh, uh, assessment of the gut microbiome and factors that were influencing it. And essentially what they found was that the folks that were consuming 30 or more plant species a week had a significantly better microbiome. It was associated with a better response to antibiotics because people weren't getting as much antibiotic resistance. And also mental health was improved in people who were eating 30 or more plants a week. We now know from subsequent research that the reason that this is the case is because when you consume 30 or more plant species a week, you're increasing the diversity of fibres that you're feeding the gut bug, uh, the gut bugs, which increases the diversity of bugs that are actually present. I preach this so much on my Instagram page and to anybody who listens to me is that we really, really need to increase as much plant-based um, fibre intake as we can in our, in our diet. And generally speaking, we should aim for 30 or more um, different plant-based species every week. And I think often people want an easy answer and there isn't, there isn't one. It is about variety and changing up what we're eating and introducing different things into our diet. Mm. But have you got any key foods or ingredients that you really try and share with people because they're particularly high in, in all these things that are going to feed our gut microbiome? Yeah, yeah. So... I suppose from a general point of view, I tend to aim for plant-based diversity um, by including lots of fresh vegetables and fruits um, and things that I was talking to you about, uh, such as beans, nuts, legumes, seeds, all of these things. It's important to get a variety from all these different categories of, of uh, plant-based foods. Some really positive um, stuff that's coming out in the literature at the moment is that some things are particularly good from an anti-inflammatory point of view and these are things that include broccoli sprouts and uh, curcumin so broccoli sprouts they are from a cruciferous um, group obviously uh, the cruciferous group of vegetables includes things like broccoli and cauliflower they contain some fantastic um products. So I really recommend cruciferous vegetables to everybody. But what's fantastic about broccoli sprouts specifically is that the products that they contain, which we know have amazing anti-inflammatory properties, they're highest in the, the sprouting form of the vegetable. So they're substantially, substantially higher. Depending on where you read, you can read up to 50 times higher in these kind of little broccoli sprouts. And essentially, there's something called glucoraphanin, um, and there's an, an enzyme called myrosinase. And when you chew or break up these things, um, like these little sprouts, basically the glucoraphanin joins with the enzyme to produce something called sulforaphane. And sulforaphane is amazing because it stimulates um, a pathway. I don't want to get into too much science. Like, <laughs> it stimulates a fantastic anti-inflammatory pathway. Um, which essentially causes gene expression for all these multitude of anti-inflammatory uh, pathways and uh, this cascade that has an, a profound anti-inflammatory effect on the body. So even just small quantities of, of these things can have a profound anti-inflammatory effect. And things like curcumin, which comes from turmeric, 
that has a same uh, that has the same anti-inflammatory effect. And both curcumin and um, the sulforaphane from the broccoli sprouts, they act on this pathway, which is the NRF2 pathway. So generally speaking, I love fresh turmeric uh, because it comes with all healthy oils and things like that, that help absorption in the body. What's fascinating about uh, fresh turmeric is that if you actually eat it in dishes or even in a drink, um, you can have some in a drink. If you include a little bit of pepper, the piperine in the pepper increases absorption of the curcumin by up to 2000%. So there's some little tricks for you. I guess for people that um, that are new to this, it's it would be easier to kind of add these small things in that have lots of benefits, mm-hmm. at least to begin with, because it can, 30 sounds quite overwhelming. And I know yeah. it, you can get that from a variety of sources and herbs and all these things that you've mentioned, but actually it can still feel quite overwhelming if someone's coming from quite a, a simple, um, simple diet. They, to add that variety can be quite a challenge. So these small nuggets of information are really, really useful. Exactly. So I think, to be honest with you, I tend to try and diversify things in every meal. I always think to myself, what else can I add into this (laughs) Um, to kind of get an extra plant point in there, you know? And I think there was a fantastic study that came out recently that showed all plants contain all of the uh, amino acids that are essential uh, for building blocks that uh, contribute to protein production, um, which I think is really interesting because I think when I was kind of um, in sports um, and even when I kind of went through my couple of years of bodybuilding, I had this obsession with protein deficiency. I was obsessed with where I got my protein. I didn't know that you can actually get all of your different types of protein that you need for a really good muscle growth and recovery from plant-based sources. That some of the studies that have been done um, looking at low-carb intake um, with high-protein diets, they detrimentally affect the microbiome. So a lot of the research that's coming out at the moment is trying to look at the, the balance between protein and fiber and kind of what's good for the gut. And the study that I mentioned to you on the rugby players, they actually found a positive association between protein and the microbiome. But I think what's really important to note is it's really hard to kind of tease out um, when you're doing uh, studies on athletes the specifics of diet, microbiome and exercise, like and how they kind of interact is so um, complex. Subsequent research that's been done is uh, suggestive that you need to be taking in adequate quantities of fibre and have that fibre diversity in order for your bugs to be able to metabolise the proteins. So if you're kind of taking in uh, high protein for kind of fuel for your body, it's really important to also focus on the fibre sources that you're taking in, making sure that you're getting enough fibre in your diet. Because personally, I think that it's actually a fibre deficiency we need to be worrying about (laughs) than a protein deficiency. So, yeah, so it's really interesting to just kind of know where you're getting your protein from and um, to just know that increasing fiber intake relative to your protein uh, is probably going to come out as something that's very um, important down the line with regard to nutrition in sports. We've spoken quite a lot about optimizing um, the gut microbiome in terms of how exercise is, is beneficial and then obviously getting your varied diet and it's all about diversity. I think a lot of uh, people that do engage in exercise 
have a lot of problems with their GI tract. So, you know, we get um, runner's trot, some people call it. So uh, people can be very prone to having loose stools or, you know, having to go very quickly and having increased frequency. And that can be quite difficult, I think, if you're going on a a race or a long run, it's not always easy to access a toilet and it can really, you know, put, put you off your performance goals. So, First of all, I guess my first question is, why do we get so many GI symptoms when we exercise? I've talked an awful lot about the positive impacts of exercise on the gut, but this kind of endurance or really high volume training can have really transient detrimental effects on the gut. And it can cause something called leaky gut syndrome, which is essentially increased uh, permeability of the gut lining. So essentially, the gut lining is a single cell like cling film. It's a really thin lining of cells. And all these cells are held together by something called tight junctions and essentially what happens when we have uh, a disruption in the harmonious balance of the gut and so if you get something called dysbiosis when the harmony kind of of the good and bad bacteria kind of is disrupted you can get a breakdown of these tight junctions now this is also seen in people who have very high training schedules and have a high volume of exercise they also get this transient breakdown of these kind of uh, tight junctions between the cells and essentially what that means is if you have kind of um, bad bugs in the gut that are producing toxins they're called endotoxins they can leak out of the gut into your bloodstream uh, as well as kind of partially digested foods they can go out into your bloodstream and you then get this crazy immune response because your body's going what the hell is this look at these toxins in the blood look at these partially digested foods and it can mount an immune response so you get lots of cytokines and inflammatory molecules being produced and that can go on um, in people who uh, who do get this that aren't athletes that can go on and cause chronic inflammation um, but for folks that are athletes, we know that these kind of single episodes of really intense endurance activity, it can cause this transient increased permeability. And during that period, you're going to get a heightened immune response. Now, what's really interesting about this is when you kind of have a heavy burden of exercise that may last two or more hours. Um, now, I say two hours because we know that the body stores energy and things like that for up to two hours. And then after that, you're starting to put very large pressure on your your body and your organs and just uh, the general maintenance of homeostasis or balance within the body becomes shifted. And what's really quite interesting in um, the studies that have come out is that there's this window after we exercise or have these endurance activities during which you can kind of get this increased permeability. But your, your immune system also, it can't act as kind of efficiently during that window as it usually would. Now, there's a few different mechanisms that have been proposed um, for this. And one that I wanted to kind of touch on today, uh, the metabolism or the catabolism or breakdown of something called tryptophan, which is an amino acid that we use to kind of produce serotonin. But serotonin also acts locally within the gut to kind of uh, promote motility and uh, general functioning within the gut. So it's actually really quite important. And if we don't have the building blocks, or such as tryptophan, to be able to act like actively produce enough serotonin, 
it's going to have impacts on our gut. And there was a really interesting clinical trial that was done recently, actually, um, looking at um, 33 endurance athletes. And what they tried to do was essentially supplement these athletes with a probiotic. Now, what's really, really interesting is that during this kind of window afterwards, we know that uh, immunosurveillance or the, the surveillance or the kind of watchdog behaviors of the immune system, they decrease. So you would be at increased risk of kind of an upper respiratory tract infection, which seems to be quite prevalent within the um, endurance exercise athletes. Now, what the study found, interestingly, was that the probiotic it didn't affect tryptophan levels. <laughs> um, but what happened was there was a self-reported reduction in the number of um, upper respiratory tract infections. It just goes to kind of highlight that there are pathways that are significantly affected by really intense endurance exercise. Um, and I think from a food source point of view, um, it could be good to increase um, some tryptophan sources um, in your diet of food. Um, though clinical trials are kind of needed to see whether this is going to be effective. But I always feel that, you know, you can't go wrong when you're including good foods in your diet generally. And foods that are kind of rich in tryptophan, the highest um, that I've seen is spirulina. So I tend to add a scoop of spirulina, organic spirulina powder to my smoothies every day. That's really high in tryptophan. Things like chia seeds, flax seeds, and um, what are those wee seeds called? Sunflower <laughs> seeds. You've kind of touched on the outcomes in terms of upper respiratory tract infections. Did the probiotics affect um, gut symptoms at all? Did the, did the athletes report any improvement in, in bowel function or, or bloating or anything like that? So what's been really interesting um, with regard to um, probiotics is that there's been a couple of studies that have specifically looked at the impact of probiotics in general populations, so healthy uh, populations of adults and children. And they really did see a decrease in infections um, and the duration of infections. However, studies on probiotics in athletes, the results are much more varied. <laughs> and, you know, they're a bit more modest um, with regard to the impact the probiotics can have. However, a systematic review that was actually published in the last couple of years showed that a multi-strain probiotic with things like bifidobacterium and lactobacillus which are two of the most readily studied um, bacterial strains and probiotics that potentially could um, reduce gastrointestinal symptoms in um, athletics and interestingly enough there's a few different things that we can do um, coming up to kind of an event that may help with regard to kind of ameliorating gastrointestinal symptoms so with regard to probiotic use, you can take probiotics running up to and during um, the event. And obviously, like I was saying to you, multi-strain probiotics are probably best. It's really difficult because I don't think there's enough evidence out there at the moment to kind of say one way or another whether certain strains are going to be better than others. 
So generally speaking, if you do want to take a probiotic, it may help for some people. It might not help for others. And it's about working with your body to kind of see what works best for you. But we do know that certain foods may trigger the gut um, in and around uh, kind of an endurance event. So there's a group of foods called FODMAPs. So they're fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides and um, polyols. So there's tons of stuff online about foods that are high FODMAP. Some people that um, have kind of gastrointestinal issues outside of sports, they tend to go onto low FODMAP diets, um, which can be really detrimental for the gut. And some people that are engaging in endurance sports tend to kind of want to have low carb, low fiber diets because they know that those things trigger them. But that's going to decrease the diversity of bugs in your diet and essentially have a long term negative impact, which could potentially influence your recovery time and your performance. Evidence is starting to come out that if you restrict the intake of kind of high FODMAPs foods 24 to 48 hours before an event, it may help with GI symptoms. Now, when it comes to the actual day of the event, generally you should have a meal two to four hours beforehand and try not to eat kind of after that up until the event. If you did want a snack, some high carbohydrate snacks that are kind of low in fiber might be best, like kind of ripe bananas or crumpets with jam and things like that have been reported um, to kind of be easily kind of digested early on and they're kind of quickly digested you kind of want to uh, avoid kind of those heavy fats proteins fibers that are going to go into your colon and be digested during kind of an event because the thing about kind of high intensity exercise is that the blood is shifted away from the gut to be able to support your heart and your brain essentially and kind of your peripheral limbs um, because we need oxygen delivered to those areas to fuse your exercise so of course there's less blood less energy and less things like that being driven to the gut during these events and then obviously making sure you're nourishing your your microbiome and between events really really good diet fiber rich whole foods that are primarily kind of plant-based is going to really improve your microbiome in the long term perfect so i guess in, in summary, for those people that are going to be doing endurance events, as you mentioned, probiotics, taking them for a period of time beforehand, not just kind of turning up on race day and thinking I'll pop a probiotic and that will yeah, solve yeah. my problems. Obviously, trying to get those those 30 species into the diet, but then possibly changing to a low FODMAP or kind of low fiber diet in the in a couple of days before a race and then also making sure we're hydrated before yeah. the event um, to try and prevent these GI symptoms yeah. and then hopefully our our gut has some healing effects after after the event so that we can kind of return to having a less leaky gut after these big endurance events would that be a, a good summary yeah yeah I think that's really summed it up really quite well like I think just with regard to if you're reducing the FODMAP content of your diet it's really important to reintroduce those things after because reducing them on an ongoing basis can have quite detrimental effects on the gut um, and then other things I think to kind of highlight would be, you know, sleep is really, really important. Our gut microbiome, recent research is showing that it actually is, it works on a circadian rhythm. So, you know, the way we have our kind of, we're awake during bright hours and kind of asleep during dark hours, the gut kind of works in that same pattern. So it's really important that we're getting 
um, some good sleep, you know, time in nature, make sure that you have reduced um, stress levels. These are all things that are going to be really, really important with maintaining a good gut microbiome. And I think with regard to endurance athletes, if you're doing um, hardcore or high volume training and um, that's kind of lasting for long periods, I think it's really, really important to kind of look at your caloric intake, make sure you're fueling your body sufficiently. And for those folks, I would really recommend going and speaking to a registered dietitian that specializes in um, sports and exercise medicine, because I think certain things are going to work well for some people and certain things are going to not work well, because essentially our gut microbiome is like a fingerprint. It's so individual to us. So although I might talk about all these different things and give you general overviews as to what kind of has been reported in the literature and what might work well for some people, these things won't work for everybody, you know. So I think it's about working with someone that has a wonderful learned knowledge in this field and to kind of come come up with a plan, especially a nutrition plan, um, to kind of train your gut to be able to kind of withstand these kind of um, tough going periods during high intensity exercise. Definitely made me think I need to um, improve my diet a little bit and add some variety. <laughs> oh, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. And um, thanks again for a lovely opportunity to have a wonderful chat. Um, now, there's obviously so much more we could talk about, but um, these are just little tidbits, I suppose, to point people in the right direction to various different studies that have been done and just little tricks and, and tips that can kind of help them along the way. But hopefully lots more research will be done on the topic um and uh yeah sure you'll be treating people uh, in sports exercise medicine in years to come with all this these nuggets of wisdom <laughs> yeah I'll keep, I'll keep sharing this um and we mentioned your instagram a couple of times where you're you know you, you share a lot of information on this, this topic so if people want to find out a little bit more about gut health where can they find you yeah so essentially on instagram i'm the good gut doc um, and uh, I think with the launch of this podcast, I'll put up some reference over the next couple of weeks to the articles that I was talking about and a bit more detail about the specifics of kind of what each study found. So there'll be lots of information going up about um, kind of uh, exercise and the gut microbiome in the coming weeks. So definitely tune in there, I suppose, the best place uh, to find out as much information as you can with regard to uh, health and well-being perfect thanks so much thanks me and take care Amy thank you so much I really hope that podcast was interesting and inspired everyone listening to diversify their plates and improve their gut microbiome if you want to hear more from Anthony then you can find him on Instagram by searching good gut doc where he shows recipes and lots of helpful information about gut health you can also head to marathonmedic.com to find other podcast episodes in this series, as well as running routes, training ideas and blog posts. Thanks so much for listening. Music